will be reading verses 11 through 20 at the end of the chapter. And the word of our Lord says, This commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It's not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea so that you should have to say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it back to us that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. In that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, to keep His commandments, His statutes, His judgments, that you may live and multiply, that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go in and possess. I call both heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live, that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Let's pray. Almighty God, You have given Your only Son to be for us a sacrifice for sin and to be also an example of a godly life. Give us grace to receive thankfully the fruit of His redeeming work. That we may follow daily in the blessed steps of His most holy life. Through Jesus Christ, Your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with You and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Life is filled with changes. As a nation, we are experiencing cultural change that has come quicker than we seem to be able to keep up with. Many in our country have been caught off guard in recent months, and recent years, but even particularly just in recent weeks. Change seems to be happening. Change seems to be coming rapidly and it seems to be catching us a bit off guard. Our congregation, you know, is in the midst of change. We, in three weeks' time, will be moving from our home that has been our home for the last six years. I was digging through my Gmail account uh, this week trying to put some dates together, and I found, David knows this, I don't delete anything. Gmail's big enough, it can hold everything, so I just don't delete anything. I don't delete advertisements, I don't delete anything, I just dump them into specific folders. I was digging through my my FMC 
folder, and I found this email dated Thursday, April 23. That's two days after my birthday, 2009, at 1041 a.m. To all, greetings. I hope this email finds each of you doing well. I also hope that you are each enjoying the Lord's very best. For several weeks now, we have been praying for the Lord's direction in finding and provision in acquiring a new, more stable place to meet, a sanctuary for His presence in our community. In just the past couple of weeks, He has been exceedingly faithful in bringing several prospective places to our attention, and for such, we are indeed thankful. Our greatest interest, it has seemed, has been drawn toward a particular place located next door to Orchard Learning Academy at 3894 Due West Road, Marietta. Concerning this particular place, we have been earnestly praying and fervently inquiring. In fact, just a couple of Sunday evenings ago, several of us went by, walked through, and prayed about this location. Many of you remember that. As asked, Bill Chandler has since spoken with several people directly connected with this potential location. The owners of the property itself the school school board of OLA, and the owner of the bookstore currently renting the location. The bookstore met right in here in this sanctuary. Consequently, several developments have taken place, opening the door for us to acquire this location if we feel so led. For example, the owners of the property have agreed to rent us the location at the price we first mentioned. The school board of OLA has agreed to grant us access to their restrooms and a couple of classrooms with the understanding that we would allow them access to our sanctuary for occasional assemblies and parent-teacher meetings. Many of you remember the time when we didn't have this property next door. We had to sneak through there, use the restroom, and we would allow them to meet in here on occasion. Additionally, the owner of the bookstore has committed to vacate the location by the end of May. With all this being said, we need a consensus of approval or disapproval from the various families that make up Faith Methodist Church. If we so desire, we could acquire this new location at the 1st of June, which would provide much more stability than our current arrangements, renting Pickett's Mill merely for Sundays on a weekly basis, as well as potential greater accessibility for many of our families. And he goes on for a few more paragraphs. I won't bore you with reading all of them. But many of you were recipients of that email some six years ago. Six years plus a few months. And as the Lord would have it work out, in June of that uh, that 2009 summer, we had our first meetings here at 3894 Dues Road. And in three weeks, we'll be moving from it. So change, change both big and small, comes into our lives, our nation's life, our culture around us, our congregation, we're going through a huge change. Our own life situations. I mean, just in the last few weeks, we have heard several reports of new jobs. Just this weekend, new homes. New schools that we're attending. New friends that we're making. And change always brings into our minds the question, what does the future hold for us? What does the future hold for our families? What does the future hold for our church? Life 
and its changes has a an uncanny way of bringing to mind the future and what the possibilities are, what the possible bad things are, what the possible good things are. You know, the night before beginning at a new school, there might be fear and trembling, wondering how am I going to fit in? Is it going to be right? Am I going to make friends? Is it going to be difficult? I haven't had to make new friends in years. Some of us adults haven't made friends since we were in college and we need to get back to the basics of being able to say, Hi, my name's Adam. What's your name? Would you like to play? If we did that more, we would probably be looking beside us for a seat for our guests that has come, a new friend that we've made that we've been inviting to church. But life comes with changes. Some of these changes are big and some of them are small. Some of them are significant. Some of them seem almost overwhelming in our lives. We don't know what to do. We don't know what the future holds. And the interesting thing about the text that we've read this morning here in Deuteronomy chapter 30 is that Israel was going through quite a bit of change. Israel's situation was as follows. Moses, their leader, was going to be dying. He was 120 years old and he was about to be replaced by his faithful sidekick, the Robin to his Batman, Joshua. After 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, Israel has been brought to the brink, to the edge of the promised land. Canaan is just over the Jordan River, just beyond the waters. And Moses has been told by Yahweh, you will not enter the land yourself, but I will be gracious to you and I will take you up on a high mountain and I will show you all of the lands, not only that I have promised your fathers, but all of the lands that your people that you have led for these last 40 years that they will be dwelling in, that they will build homes in, that they will acquire farms in, a land flowing with milk and honey. And after that, you will die. And after that, there will be a new leader in Israel. Yahweh told Moses, you're not going to enter the land because of what happened back at Meribah Kadesh. When you struck the rock for water a second time, and all of Israel thought, look at Moses and look at the power that he possesses. He is our deliverer. Yahweh says, for that reason, I cannot let you lead Israel across the Jordan and into the land. There's a problem in Israel's history at this point. It's a time of great change. It's a time of uncertainty. It's a time of asking, well, what next? We've known for 40 years what it is to follow Moses. What's it going to be like following this young whippersnapper Joshua? What's it going to be like on the other side of the Jordan River? We've known what it is to wander in the wilderness. What's it going to be like when we finally settle down into that land of promise? What's life going to be like? Change always produces in our minds uncertainty. 
What does the future hold? What does tomorrow hold? What in the world is it going to be like going from geometry back into the realm of algebra is entering into algebra 2? What's that going to be like? I remember some of algebra 1, but getting back into it, I've been playing with triangles and squares and circles for a semester or two now. Change always brings into our minds uncertainty. Because change is uncertain. It seems to happen at random. It seems to be filled with chance. But change is an opportunity for blessing. Many of you have been noticing this on social media. You've seen this on the website. You've seen this on our Facebook page. If you're not going to our website, good grief, go to our website. If you're not, it's it's simple. Faithmethodschurch.org. That simple. If you're not on Facebook, David, good grief, get on Facebook. Hack, hack into Christie's account. You, all right. So, so many of you have been seeing this advertisement. We're on the move. In September, we will begin worshiping in a new location in our community. The Lord has been doing great things among us and through us. And we want others. I just found a typo, and now I am grossly embarrassed. I will have to go change this. Uh, And we want others to be a part of this work. Please join us for worship during these last weeks of August as we share together our final gatherings in our current location and thereafter as we follow where Jesus leads us next. But notice this little globe with a ribbon-looking thing over there. He leads, we follow. A very simple motto, a very simple mantra. But that ought to be the mantra of our lives. That ought to be our our motto as we live faithfully the life of disciples of Jesus. He leads, we follow. That simple. But change offers to us the opportunity for great blessing. We, we see change as uncertain. We see change as random. We see change as uncontrollable. We can't get our minds around it, much less our hands around it. And so we see it as Worrisome. Change often produces life's uncertainties and it produces often in us anxiety, which then produces in us fear, which then, if we're not careful, produces in us paralysis. We don't know what to do, so we do nothing. We panic. We become white. We become clammy. We become scared. We don't know what to do. But, as an opportunity for blessing, change can remind us of God's faithfulness. He is the one with whom there is no shadow of turning. He is the one that we can count on. He is the one that we can rest the weight of our lives upon. He is the one who is semper fidelis, always faithful. His faithfulness is unwavering. His faithfulness, the Scriptures tell us, is to generation after generation. Our problem is we come to life's changes and we panic. We come to life's changes and we focus on life's uncertainty and we forget God's faithfulness. But if we will, if we will look to His faithfulness, His faithfulness will produce in us love. And notice that's 
That is the sum total of what Moses is telling Israel here. We get caught up in these lists of obeying the the commandment of God, His statutes, His judgments, follow in His ways. And we think, oh yeah, because Israel had all these thousands of case laws and everything that they had to follow. But the sum total of it was to love God with everything and to love your neighbor as yourself. And if we will look in life's changes to God's faithfulness, it will produce in us love, which will produce in us trust, which will produce in us as it ought, obedience. You remember the old hymn, Trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And we try to create a dichotomy between those two things. Oh, you're talking about obedience. You're talking about saving yourself. Well, good grief. You can't find any picture of faith throughout the Old or New Testament where there's not the response of obedience. And so if we look to God's faithfulness, we see, man, every time life's uncertainty has created worry in me, I've been able to look to Him and He's been faithful. And He's taught me to love Him more, to trust Him more, and therefore obey Him more. So where He leads, we follow. As He directs our steps, we follow in His steps. It's interesting that spiritual changes most often occur amidst life's other changes. Spiritual changes in our lives often occur, most often occur, amidst life's other changes. Normally, people find their spiritual lethargy or their spiritual lack being awakened and being aroused when life is filled with change. Big change. Change that we wouldn't think would have anything to do with our spiritual lives. It's funny how God created us. When physical things happen, spiritual things are happening. When spiritual things are happening, physical things are happening. You know, I mention it all the time, all the means of grace. We pray, we think, oh, it's a spiritual thing. Well, we're doing something physical. We're voicing words. Even if we're praying inaudibly, our brain is working. Maybe we're on our knees. Maybe our hands are lifted. Maybe our eyes are closed. Maybe they're open. Something physical is happening in the midst of the spiritual. And the, the crazy thing is that people are often brought to Christ and His church when they buy a new home. When they sell a home, when they move to a new home, whether they're leasing, renting, purchasing, new homes often produce new life in Christ. A new school year. It's crazy the number of people that visit a church for the first time in the month of August. It's like there's this natural click with, oh, we're beginning Algebra 2, let's go to Faith Methodist Church. Don't you wish everyone, don't you wish we all made that connection? Oh, we went grocery shopping. We ought to go to church Sunday. (laughs) Things that seem completely unrelated to church often produce in us 
a, a draw to the church. New family dynamics. This is huge in the development of people's spiritual lives. A marriage. You start having to evaluate who are we going to be. Even bigger than that, the birth of a child. Who are we going to be in the life of this child? What are we what kind of context are we creating for this child? And often, sadly, we 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 think, oh, He's a newborn. He doesn't know any better. We'll kind of bump that. By the time he's two, we'll be going somewhere. If we go down that path, we will never, we will never prioritize appropriately. But marriage, the birth of a child, sadly also divorce and death awakens. Awakens in us great need, awakens in us a vulnerability to say, you know what, they've been inviting me to church, I'm going to go. I'm going to go check that out. Life seems to be falling apart around me. Why not go where clearly I'm wanted? Sadly, you and I, and I include myself because I am as guilty of it as any of you are, we don't make it a priority enough to let people know we want you here. We want you to worship with us. We want you to come and to be loved by us. We want you to get involved in this life that we share together. But, if we will afford people that possibility of being wanted, why don't you come to church this Sunday? We will find one out of every four times statistics tell, tell us they will actually show up. That's one out of four. Now you do the, do the math. That means if you're asking every week someone to come to church that Sunday, not just sometime down the road, but this Sunday, come to church with me. I'll pick you up if I need to. That means at least one week out of that month you're going to have a guest sitting next to you. Now go back over the course of the last month and think, how many people did I invite? How many people could I have invited that I didn't? But change in our lives often provides for us the opportunity for blessing. We see it in empirical data based on people coming to the church, based on people... Finding Christ in the midst of life's changes. Moses says, look, I'm laying before you very, very simple options. Options that are so dramatically polar to one another that this is a no-brainer for you. He says, I'm not... You're not having to say, man, God's choice for us, God's will for us is all the way up in heaven. Who's going to go up and bring it down so we can know what to do? He says, it's not like it's over on the other side of the sea. Who's going to go to England to bring back God's will for us? He says, you know it in your head and in your heart. It's right there with you. It is, he says, in your mouth. 
in your heart. It's very near to you. So that you might do it. Life and death. Good and evil. Blessing and cursing. He says, I'm making it so simple for you so that you will choose life. Choose blessing. Choose the good. Someone once said, when you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. It seems completely self-contradictory. But you've known that feeling in life. Life is put in a panic. Life is spinning out of control. Life has just thrown you a curveball. And in your gut, you know what you have to do. Sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's a bad thing. Sometimes it's a tough conversation that you have to have. Sometimes it's having to call somebody out. Sometimes it's just making the choice where you know it's going to hurt you personally, but it's the right thing. Sometimes it's simple. We got a new home. Let's find a new church. David, don't go find a new church. You have not moved far. You've moved Closer to us, quite possibly. But, you know, you're packing up your bags in in Manhattan and you're moving back down to the dirty south of Mississippi. Let's find a new church. A baby's been born. Where's this baby going to be raised in the church? When you don't know what to do, do what you know to do. Sometimes our choices are really that simple. And fortunately, God makes them so. But how do we resolve to trust and of course obey? Well, look at what Israel did. What did God call Israel to do? He called them to renew their covenant. In fact, the book of Deuteronomy is worded that that way. It's two Greek words smashed together like schoolhouse. A compound word, compound noun. Deuteros namos, second law. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. And so you find the Ten Commandments in the book of Deuteronomy and you scratch your head, wait a minute, I thought that was back in Exodus. It was. This is the second giving. Because Israel has been brought to the edge of the Jordan. Israel is looking out upon the promised land. Israel's leader is passing off of the pages of history. And a new leader is being raised up. And so God says, before you go into that land, before you cross over that river, before you take the next step, you need to remember the covenant that you've made with Me. Love Me with your everything and love your neighbor as yourself. Remember the covenant that your forefathers made with me because you are beneficiaries of that covenant. You've been brought into this covenant.
covenantal relationship through the merits of being raised in their families. Now it's time to renew the covenant before you cross over and possess that blessing that I promised to them. You and I ought to covenant together. We're in the midst of change. We're in the midst of uncertainty. We're, we know where we could meet September 6th. We know where we might want to meet thereafter. And we're trying to figure out what's going to happen. We're trying to figure out we're having to call and negotiate. We're having to put Catherine on the phone all week long calling folks and harassing folks. I'm telling you, if they'd have just dropped their communication card off in the offering plate at, at the end of the sanctuary before service ended, Catherine wouldn't be having to harass them. But we are on the brink of change. We see it out in the distance. We know it's coming. We know it's happening. And you and I ought to covenant together in prayer. Prayer for one another. Prayer for our congregation. Prayer for God's future for us. We ought to covenant together in faithfulness. To faithfully worship together in these times. Notice that little announcement and invite. Please join us for worship. It's in bold. I don't know how you can miss it. Join us for worship. We are a worshiping body and we need to be faithful to one another and faithful with one another in our worship. In our giving. We need to be faithful to one another. We need to covenant together that we will worship, we will give, and we will minister together. Now's not the time to think we can't be doing any good for our neighbor. Now's not the time to think we can't be worrying with the children's center. We'll get back to that later. No, now's the time to double down on our ministering. To double down on our faithfulness to one another and our community. And now's the time to be inviting people. Not once everything gets settled. Not once everything gets stable. It's stable right now. The air's still working because Bill paid the bill. We need to covenant together and be mindful of the key promise that Yahweh makes to Israel, to Moses, to Joshua, their new leader. And it's a verse that David read just last week. In chapter 31, verse 6, we read the Lord saying, Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear, nor be afraid. For the Lord your God, here is the key, the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor will He forsake you. He is still the God who makes covenant. He is still the God who is faithful to that covenant and swears by Himself, I will not leave you. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. Jesus told His disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. As we covenant together, 
We have very simple choices to make. In the midst of uncertain times, we can choose life. We can choose the good. We can choose God's blessing. But we must covenant together and we must remember and remind one another that God is utterly and everlastingly faithful. He will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He will go with us. We might like temple. Think about it in the Old Testament. When Israel finally built a temple, they had a stable place. They had something permanent. They had something with a foundation. They had something that they knew would be there until it wasn't. They had something that they could count on every single day of their worshiping lives. There's the temple. It's going to be there. But before there was a temple, there was the tabernacle. It was as if Yahweh said, you guys are going to live in tents? I'm going to live in a tent. And where you go, I will go. Where I go, you'd better go. I lead, you follow. I'll give you a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But I will go with you. I will be with you. I will go before you. And so we're called to be strong and of good, church, of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. Choose life. Choose good. Choose blessing. Don't trust in all the other gods that this world has to offer. The gods of stability. The gods of enough. The gods of prosperity. The gods of confidence. Trust in the one true God, the one who goes with you. Trust in the one true God, the God who makes a way before you. Trust in the God who tells you, if you will choose life, you will enjoy good, and you will have my blessing. The choice is simple, though the times are uncertain. Let's pray.